With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, to another edition of Off the Post. I am co-host Tom Rich Jr., and I'm once again joined by my lovely co-host, Mike Murphy, who... If I remember correctly, is going to read a question from a lovely patron. That's right. We start off with uh, when patrons send questions in. We always start off with you guys. Uh, this one's from Tall Guy Rob, who you know, he's a tall guy. His name's Rob. Been a patron for a long time. Happy holidays, Mike and Tom. What New Year's resolution would you give the Rangers organization for 2020? Thanks for the awesome listening. Isn't that nice, Tom? Very nice message. Very nice message. Um, I would say play better defense. <laughs> that's that's it. That's, that's your big resolution. Pretty pretty basic, I think. Um, I was gonna say find Lindy Ruff a nice quiet retirement home and uh, and find a way to turn the strength on the right side of the defense into a more balanced defense, which would imply fixing the defense, generally speaking. The defense, really, is what I would like to fix. Um, and the other resolution w- might be to, to avoid becoming Al Davis at all costs, which is my only takeaway from our flagship that we recorded, Tom, is... Just is, win, baby! Just win, baby! With his yellowing teeth falling out of his skeleton head. Sorry, I know Al Davis passed away, and that's terrible to say, but uh, you have to admit he did look like a Skeletor man. Like, Very passionate. Very passionate skeleton man. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, that's. I think it's. We we talk about it all the time, obviously, but that's where I would go. And you know what? I'm not sure if I can think of any other big ones, because the Rangers are a very curious team because they continue to punch above a 500 record, which makes the drastic problems they have a little harder for a lot of people to kind of pay attention to and uh Mm -hmm. yeah but i would say those things make sense i like those things um and you know what else i would do is have a nice organized plan for who the hell you're going to draft and do everything you can to enter the 2020 draft with as many picks as possible nothing is sacred everyone we love has to go and now, on to the next question. <laughs> Titanic um, rolls, get in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> get in the boat, Rose! Who is in your lifeboat? Oh my god. Uh, from Panarin2020, who's also a patron, which is why I'm reading his question next. He's a sweet boy. Um, hey, Tom and Mike, with the news swirling around that the ads are interested in Kreider, what do you think the Rangers will ask for, and what do you think a Kreider to Colorado package looks like? Hmm, so I'm not exactly sure which rumor swirling regarding Kreider and the um, the avalanche is coming from. Um, there's nothing that's sort of been on my radar as of late, so if it's something that I missed, 
uh, my bad. The Eklund one? I don't know if it's the Eklund one, but yes. I, don't, I don't tend to pay attention to the Eklund ones. What I'll say is the Avalanche are a team that could be interested in a lot of players because they have the most cap space of teams uh, in the league. Um, right now they have $13 million in space, um, so they could be in on a lot of players. Um, they're a team that's looking to win a Stanley Cup. They've got a fine young core. Uh, you know, they have some older players who they added this offseason, whether it's Kadri or Jonas Donskoy, um, who have complimented them quite nicely. So you look at their roster, and it's 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 tough because there's not players that they would want to trade. So then you're looking at, like, a futures trade. Um, yeah. And then it's tough because a team that's as successful as Colorado – any pick you get is going to be late, regardless of um, which round it is. What's of note is this year, they own their first. They do not have a second. They do not have their own third round pick. They have a third that they acquired from the Maple Leafs. So I think Kreider, I, when it was a couple of weeks ago, um, Elliot Friedman had reported now that you know Hall is in Arizona that attention would point to Kreider so it would be a first rounder and a mid-level prospect um I don't know because this was a situation where correct me if I'm wrong that there was there was some smoke between the two teams during the summer and nothing ultimately came to fruition so maybe yeah, I, believe, I believe there was I think it was, was it Colorado was connected to Vladdy I think they wanted uh Nemestikov I mm-hmm. think um and that seemed like you know like hell if you want Nemestikov, why not went to the Rangers jump on that? And then, of course, they didn't jump on that, and they didn't find a trade, and they settled for a terrible trade uh, to Ottawa. And that still doesn't get talked about enough, but it did happen, and it was a terrible thing. Um, but it's like you said, if the you know we've heard before that it's like a mid-level prospect and a first for Kreitz, and the problem with the first here, like you're saying, is Colorado is a good team, so the first isn't going to be terribly good. And the other thing here is, like, this makes sense in that Colorado was one of the teams in the Taylor Hall hunt. They obviously lost that sweepstakes. And, like you said, this is a team that thinks it has almost all the pieces it needs to be a real cup contender and to go for the cup this year. And Kreider represents something that would immediately bolster their top six, which is a big deal. Um, at Give them size and strength. All those things are good. You know, for a team that already has, you know, McKinnon and, you know, Rontanen and Landeskog and, you know, this, it, you know, it's a very cadre now, you know, they had a big offseason and it's, it's fun to me to think of the potential that Kreider can actually have on that team. Um, and the other thing that's really worth mentioning is, you know, heading into the season, uh, you know, back in September, uh, Corey Pronman had the Avalanche farm system ranked second, Tom. Um, of course, unsurprisingly, the top prospect was Cal McCarr, um, who has more than lived up to uh, his hype. And then, uh, you know, the Colorado has a couple other, you know, kind of D and, and forward prospects. I don't think they have much in the way of, you know, a, an elite goalie prospect, from what I understand. But uh, the problem, I think, is... You know what would the Rangers want and what they like? They're not going to get Alex Newhook. Um, you know, like what would they target there? And that's what I'm most curious about: is what could you get out of a Chris Kreider trade, and 
how would it address the needs of his team? What I would love is a prospect, you know, who might be a year or two removed from his draft, who still has the potential to be, you know, a second line guy. Like, give me a, a you know, a Buchnevich caliber player, essentially. Um, you know, a couple of years younger, but who can turn into someone like a Buchnevich, and then of course the first round pick because you never know, and it's going to be a good draft. But that's where I stand on it. I don't know. Does that seem unreasonable to you, like as a target? Because Colorado does have forward prospects. It's just a question of which one you could pry away from them. Yeah, looking at NHL.com, their top prospects for the Avalanche were Bowen Byram. A defenseman's not going anywhere. Yeah, Connor Timmins, a defenseman. Um, he's the 32nd overall pick in the 17 draft. He plays the uh, right side, though, Timmins. Like, that one, I think you might want to just probably scratch that one off. He also missed the season due to a concussion, I think. Then you have um, Vladislav Kamenev, who um, last season... He had 23 games with the, um, the the Avalanche, and then he had two games in the AHL. He had a shoulder injury that required surgery, yeah. and then in the year before, he had a broken arm. Um, then you have Alex Newhook, who you mentioned, and then uh, Martin Kaut, who was selected 16th overall in 2018. Um, another prospect of potential interest at least from the um the perspective of uh the the rangers because of the um the familiarity is shane bowers who was yep. drafted 28th overall by the uh, the ottawa senators um he's playing with the colorado eagles this year but he also spent two years at boston university so there's a, a quinn connection there um you know he's a center there's a left-handed shot um, but I believe he's more of a like a north-south player who is, you know, the Rangers could use more north-south players. But I'm not sure he would be my top pick for, uh, you know, in a, in a Chris Kreider return. But it's, you know, someone if they they decided to make it a larger deal, sort of like when they did the Ryan McDonough trade, maybe he's a name I could see the Rangers having interest in. But um. There's a lot of there's you know a lot of time and not a lot of time. I know it's, bef- you know, kind of you know contradictory to say before the the trade deadline. Um, so we'll have to to wait and see if uh you know there's more news that comes out in terms of uh Chris Kreider's suitors. Yeah, definitely a lot there though. Like it, it, you know, I don't know how much smoke there is to, or how much fire there is to the to the mm-hmm. connection there because you know you do. Something you always have to question is where rumors start or where we hear things. And you know, generally speaking, if this was from Eklund, he's is very much a, you know, in terms of the batting average on Eklund rumors, I don't think it's terribly good. Anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, Tom, this was from, because of course we just had the one show last week as our little like pre-Christmas show that we had. Uh, we didn't get to do one off the post. So we had a couple of uh, leftover questions, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, this one from Zach, which is, given the Leash trade request and D'Angelo's play thus far, who would you say won the Derek Stepan trade, Tom? It's kind of tough um, because it's it's a, it's multifaceted. Because I guess you could say that you look at the trade that's made. Because of the play of D'Angelo and because of the 
promise of someone like Adam Fox, it led to the Rangers buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. So in a sense, you have that dead money, which is something that the Rangers were looking to move salary with Stepan. They moved him um, right before his no trade was going to kick in. So they didn't really save any salary in the grand scheme of things. Um, the Rangers had... As you know, we've reported in in the when the story broke of Anderson, how the Rangers were trying to do some different things with that seventh overall pick, um, but nothing came to fruition. So, I guess the best way to describe or to answer the question without really answering the question, we'll see what the future holds. Does D'Angelo stay with the Rangers? Does he continue to be an impact player, or is he someone that? The Rangers decide to flip, and that gives them, you know, other pieces that you know continue this trade tree. I I think it's hard to to judge that now because there is no set future with the pieces that came back for the Rangers. Yeah, we're still kind of seeing what Anderson will turn into because trying to determine his value right now is impossible. Like we have no idea what the Rangers could get back from. Um, you know whether that you know is it a second round pick they get back from? Is it another like is it another team that has a you know like a Pugliarvi sort of situation where they have a prospect who's disgruntled wants a chance somewhere else, much like Leas does. Um, frankly, like, like we talked about when this happened, is the Rangers haven't had this happen a lot with their prospects, where a high profile prospect voiced their discontent in such a public way and you know resulted in being suspended from the team and all of that so um there's a lot there i if i had to lean one way or the other i would just say you know hell <laughs> like tom said we the trade tree is ongoing like tony d'angelo could land a hall um and auntie ranta obviously had his injuries but arizona's doing great and Derek Stepan is a big part of their success, you know, from what I understand. You know, I haven't watched a lot of Coyotes hockey, admittedly. Um, only so many hours in the day for me to watch hockey. And, you know, if I had to pick between one or the other right now, I would say I'd give the edge to Arizona, but it's very much to be determined. I give the edge to Arizona, frankly, because they did that trade to get a player like Derek Stepan so they could be in a position that they're in now. You know what I mean? Like... The Derek Stepan trade brought them, helped bring them to where they are. And, you know, the Rangers trade of Stepan didn't serve the rebuild in the way they thought it would. I think they got more than they thought they were going to get from Tony D'Angelo. And frankly, they chose to squander the seventh overall pick of the draft. Um, let's go on to the next one here, Tom, which is from Andy. Andy asks, with almost a point a game, would the Rangers be better to hang on to Strom? Unless a team is willing to overpay for him at the deadline. So this is something that's become more of a thing again. As he's played well from an offense perspective. Um, two things before Scoring goals I, now, Tom. Scoring goals now. Well, yeah. But if you look at... And, you know, this is going to make some people like, well, does it really matter? So... In terms of goals above replacement, Strom is at a 1.3, which is 10th among all skaters on the Rangers. First is Panarin, 12 po- or 12.3. Sec- 
Second is Buchnevich, 6.8. And then there's a drop to Fox at 4.3, Heedle 3.1, and D'Angelo at 2.5. That rounds out your top five in you know, goals above replacement. And then when you look at expected mm-hmm. goals above replacement, so based on how you know how the games have gone, what you what you would expect to see. Panarin once again first, nine point eight. Fox is second at five point seven. Heedle third, five point four. Buchnevich four point four. Zibanejad four point three. And then you have Strom, which is zero point three. Um, I would say this: Strom has been. A pretty one-dimensional player this year in the sense that he has generated offense, but he has been terrible defensively. And the Rangers need to look at this as a case of this is a guy who's 26 years old, who is on the way to having the the best season of his career. And they're at a pivot point, much as they were at a pivot point last year with Kevin Hayes, who was heading into his last year um, prior to unrestricted free agency. And ultimately, the Rangers gave him a one-year deal and then traded him. So I looked at this in the beginning of November. I'm going to revisit this again. But I just look at Ryan Strom and I say to myself, it's going to come down to cost. He is a very smart guy. Um, he's very articulate. He's very detail-oriented. Whenever you listen to sort of his interviews, he, he's a smart guy. And I think he's going to look at this as a situation where he's having a career here. He is going to try to capitalize on that from the Rangers. He's going to you know, point out, you know, I've played very well here. I have this chemistry with Panarin. I want to be a part of what you're building and the Rangers will have to decide do we give him a four-year deal or or longer um, and part of the reason why I'm so against it is he plays center and Phil Petal has had a decent season and I don't want to have a roadblock in front of him because we all saw this year that Zibanejad was injured and uh when Zibanejad's out of the lineup, the center depth is pretty thin. It's very thin, to be even more spe- specific. So you got to think for yourself. Who do you want as your second center long-term who then becomes your number one center uh, when Z- if, if and when Zibanejad is out of the lineup for any reason? And I don't know if that's Ryan Strom. I, I feel a lot more comfortable with Heedle in that role as someone who's young and developing and is showing a lot of promise this year. And it comes down to cost again, because the Rangers can really screw up their cap situation pretty quickly. Um, I mentioned the Shatkirk buyout a little bit before that's dead money that they're going to have to navigate around. Capocaco has had a decent season. He's going to come into camp next year with a full year of experience under his belt and be better uh, acclimated to NHL life. So he may hit some of his performance bonuses. Then you have Igor Shesterkin, who he's someone that could hit bonuses if he plays well. So there are all these factors that you have to consider when you're building the future Stanley Cup contending New York Rangers. And 
when you look at all of the factors, yes, you can look at 35 points from Strom. He's already tied his total production from last season in a lot fewer games played. But what does that cost, and is it something that the Rangers want to invest in? And I, I don't think you do, but that's just my opinion. My take on this is if the price – I don't think – I don't think you say to yourself, like, if you don't get an amazing haul, you don't trade him. If there's an underwhelming market for him, then I say you you dance with the devil of saying, all right, let's, let's bring him back for one year. Uh, the reason being is maybe he can continue to increase his value. Um, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world to have a center, um, you know, who you can help alleviate some pressure, especially now that Leah Sanderson's going to be out of the equation. But I want to, I almost want to see how a couple more pieces fall before I give uh, an opinion one way or the other. But if I had to lean one way, I'd say it wouldn't be the end of the world to, to back away from the opportunity, but only if you avoid at all costs investing a contract with term in Strom. Like, I just think that is a, you know, I've warmed up to Strom a lot. I, I've tried to, I've tried to keep an open mind about what he's been able to do. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for finding a way to thrive playing with skilled players. Um, you know, I, I don't think it, it would be any, I don't think it's a stretch, Tom, to say like Strom wouldn't be doing this, um, you know, if he wasn't playing as much with Panarin and, and all that. But it's, uh, it's interesting to me that, you know, the Rangers find themselves in this position, like you said, you know, is it better to have Heedle or Strom? I think big picture, the answer is Philip Heedle, but I would hesitate to, I definitely wouldn't do the, oh, we don't get the world for Ryan Strom at the trade deadline, then we're not going to move him. If you can get, you know, a second round pick, I'd be over the moon considering what the Rangers gave up for him, which is they just tried, they traded a problem to get what the Oilers perceived as a problem. And I feel like the Rangers can get a second-round pick and a prospect at a right strong. You were going to say something? So the way I look at it is this. There's a couple of scenarios. So this year, they trade Ryan Strom. They get whatever return they get um, in the sense of, um, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to get a second, they're going to get a prospect, right? Or they hold on to him. They see how he plays out the rest of the season. So there's a risk in doing both because he could prove to be the real deal. I don't think that's the case. But then there's also he could have a you know crappy end of the year and then you're at the situation of are you trading someone in the last year of um, RFA status and you're going to get an underwhelming return, maybe equal to or less than what you could have gotten at the trade deadline but then there's also okay now you've re-signed him so what if he doesn't live up to the contract now you have a player with a contract that you can't move or even worse you give him a, a one-year deal and then he doesn't play well again and then and then his value is shit <laughs> right so it's like you're looking at a guy who... That's the other risk you run from my first idea, is his value couldn't be higher right now. Right, and who is to say that his value is going to be any higher to this team 
because I don't know, is he going to have this type of production next year or the year after that or the year after that? Based on what he's done as a player in the league, I don't think so. Because you would have think you would have thought a guy that was drafted fifth overall, he had, you know, a decent start to to his career, and then it just it fell off. So he comes into the league as a twenty year old. He plays only thirty seven games, and then he's he's sent to uh, Bridgeport. Following year, fifty points in eighty one games as a twenty one year old. Then you have twenty eight points, thirty points. 34 points, and then last year, 35 points uh, in between the Rangers and the Oilers, and then he's obviously 35 points this year. So we've already seen offensively that he doesn't have a ton of upside. Now, I would say based on the way he's playing, he'll probably get to 50 points at a minimum this year. But then again, it's what he brings defensively. And if he's a guy that's not giving you elite level offense, can you justify how bad he is defensively? And that's, that's always going to be the question with Strom. Um, and when you're a team in a rebuild and you have a player that has that kind of deficiency, it's a, you don't really need to think too hard to come to the conclusion like, yeah, we could do better for a second line center. You know what I mean? It's, it's not much of a stretch uh, to think that. Yeah, because I think at a bare minimum, he's going to ask for $5 million. And, and that would be a bad idea. Um, yeah. This one's from Chris, which is, Hey, Mike and Tom, will you guys be doing a mid-season prospect update for the site at some point soon? Um, as far as I'm aware, Chris, we don't have anything planned. Prospect coverage is kind of Adam's deal. Uh, it's what he focuses on. Uh, you know, he's been doing a lot of ongoing prospect analysis this season, so I don't know if he has something like a mid-season thing coming up. I do almost weekly. I do a Rangers radar where I include notes about Rangers prospects. Uh, you can always look out for those. Um, you can even like look back on them week to week and take a look at how you know certain prospects are trending. Um, but yeah, I, I'm as far as I'm aware, Tom. I don't think we have. Anything planned for a mid-season prospect report? Um, but no, there'll still be plenty of prospect coverage coming on Banter. Um, let's see, from Donovan Carr. Um, Leas plus who makes the package? Strom somewhat hot streak, helping his hopeful trade return or next Rangers contract. So we've kind of touched on that. Um, convenient for Chris Crider to heat up right now when trade talks do as well and still just inconsistent Chris credit to me stretch of good games and a bit bad so a couple questions here Tom let's start with is Leas going to get moved in a package or is this just going to be a disgruntled prospect for a pick or another prospect so part of me wonders because we really haven't heard anything um, about this yet so I wonder if there is at all any possibility that you know John Davidson tries to have a conversation with Elias and say, you know, um, we understand how you're feeling, you know, can we try and, and work things out? Um, because I feel like that's something that's not been talked about. It's just sort of been assumed of um, he's going to get traded 100%. Now, I think there's more of a likelihood that he's traded than anything else, but I, I still think that's a possibility we should consider. Um, 
I think they'll look, they'll do due diligence, they'll see if there's a one-for-one swap that can be made, but I think if that's not the case, it becomes a package, and if that's the case, then that's something that's closer to the, to the trade deadline, because the Rangers will have a better idea of where they are in the standings in terms of can they push for a wild card spot, or is it you know a foregone conclusion that they'll miss the playoffs? And then, depending on who is still on their roster, um, you know, they'll make a certain deal because you want to be able to still field a roster for the remainder of the season and, and not just be, you know, all Hartford call ups. I agree. Um, I feel like this, that's the same way. The second one is is it convenient for Chris Renner to heat up? Um, or is it like, I'm not sure what the exact question is here. It's, it's interesting that Chris Crowder's heating up, and is he becoming the Chris Crowder we know again, or is this just a stretch of of games where he's kind of playing above himself? I think this is just law of averages kind of stuff, personally. I don't know how you feel, Tom. In terms of Crowder's production, I mean. Yeah. Um, it's, like, I think he's someone that he he knows... He knows what could be coming. He saw what happened last year with Hayes. You know, he's seen what happened with McDonough. So he knows that the team is looking to rebuild. And he's someone who is on the older side. And he's on a sweetheart deal. And he's never really gotten a big payday. And the odds of him getting that big payday from the Rangers are slim. So I think he's he wants to play better because he wants to stay. Um, from my perspective, I think it makes sense to trade Chris Carter, uh, Chris Kreider, regardless, because yeah. if you're not if you're not going to the playoffs, what's the harm in trading him for a decent return, having him play in a different environment? Maybe he realized that the grass really isn't greener, and then you reengage with him in free agency and say, "Hey, Chris, you know." We sent you to so-and-so to try and win the Stanley Cup. That didn't work out. You know, here's the number that we can work with. Um, You know, if this is not within your range, then, you know, thank you for everything you've done for the organization. You know, go get your big big payday in free agency. It doesn't make sense to hold on to him, have him want to get a lot of money, and then you've got nothing for him. Yeah, I agree with that. That's... The Kreider thing is, it's just like this foregone conclusion to me. It's that's what's gonna come out of it. Um, you know, uh, I think it's it's a good thing. The, the way I see that his scoring goals, picking up points, is only a good thing. It's uh, it can only help his value. And you know, I was on um, recently. I was on uh, Toronto on Sportsnet Radio and talking about you know what was what was there in terms of pending free agents and Kreider is is the guy like among forwards I mean there are other guys who are pending free agents but they're all on good teams in terms of guys who could be seen as the rental market it's like it's Kreider and Tyler Toffoli um so yeah it's and of course Ranger Slayer uh Pangeot who I refuse to give I, I don't want to say his full name it only ends in bad things um from Josh Sarkin Tom Tom did did you we get any good holiday presents Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I got like a lot of gift cards and stuff, but I did get, um, I got hockey loungers. I got some 
uh, grippy socks. I got a ranger sweatshirt. Um, I got a hockey calendar. So yeah, I got some good holiday things that were hockey related. It was good. What about you? Well, I bought myself a switch. Um, very nice. That's, all I, that's my world now. Um, I also got a Roomba-like thing on Black Friday that has a, a hysterical typo on it, which is when it's called Goovy, G-O-O-V-I, and it says uh, when it's in trouble, it will emit a series of beeps, and like you know, four beeps means it's stuck, two beeps means it can't find its charging dock, whatever. But the typo on it, Tom, says that when Goovy is in trouble, it will emit a series of bees, um, <laughs> which has not the bees yeah which has entertained me for weeks upon weeks now but yeah it was a good christmas for me like you a lot of gift cards um a couple fun things here and there a couple switch games and things like that but you know low-key christmas um just happy to be healthy and all that good stuff but yeah i hope everyone listening got something fun under the tree or or whatever holiday you celebrate and it's uh whatever foliage is associated with it um, and finally, Tom, our last question from Dion, NY Rangers, at Cornell Screamer. He wants to know, let's say Kreider, Strom, Tony D, and Fass are all traded. How much better or worse do you see the Rangers being next year? So we haven't really gotten this question before. We get a lot of questions about hypothetical trades and what a guy's value might be and all those things. But I don't think we've had someone just ask, is this team going to be better next year, Tom? Is there... Is there a silver lining? So, I would say, based on how Kreider overall has played this year, his loss from the roster um, won't be as noticeable, where for the past few years he's been one of the Rangers' best players um, in a lot of the underlying metrics, whether it's goals above replacement, you know, wins above replacement, and things of that nature. Um, Strom... Is like we touched upon, you know, offensively this year he's brought a lot. Defensively he's not. So when you're looking at overall value added, um, you know, it, it's it's towards the lower end. So he's not a huge loss per se. D'Angelo is someone who he's on pace for 60 points. So if you don't have that on your roster, or at least something of um, value back in trade. That's going to make the team worse. And then Faust is another one. He's a really, um, he's a grit and grind, black and blue shirt, um, who you kind of need players like him in your bottom six, but at what cost? So it's a tough question to answer because it begs the question of, okay, next year it's Philip Heedle is a year older. Capo Caco, a year older. Adam Fox, a year older. You have a lot of these pieces who are developing and growing that you would expect them taking a step forward will help mitigate some of the losses. But then it's it's also hard to say, okay, if you're losing Kreider, if you're losing Strom, if you're losing, losing D'Angelo and Faust, you will have some cap space to address that, whether it be free agency or trade. Um, so... I would say in this scenario, all are traded at the deadline. I would say that the Rangers would still be in a position to be marginally better 
next year because I would assume they would replace those uh, the do- those deficiencies and you would also have the added benefit of all those young players being that much better and then you're factoring someone like maybe Rikov on the roster um you know Shishirk and and Kraftsoff and you know things of that nature i i am inclined to believe that things will be better tom and i'll tell you why because i don't really see how they'd be worse it's fair the Rangers, like, one way or another, will get at least another kid in the lineup. Like, just uh, the law of averages would dictate that, you know, who knows? Maybe we even get a Keandre Miller. But it's. That's true. I would really, really hope we get a full time crab style. Like, is it like. That'll be. It'll be good. It'll be good. Will they be a better team? Will they have a better record? I don't know about that. It's hard. It's very hard to say. There's, like, this team is so fascinating because. Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon in the front office are faced with so many important decisions. Like, just like to start with, all right, what getting the most out of the Chris Kreider deal? Okay, next on the list, figuring out what to do with Tony D'Angelo. Okay, that's pretty big. Next on the list, uh, figuring out how the hell to keep Igor Sturkin happy and finding a suitor for Alexander Georgiev. Ooh, that's a big one. All right, what else do we have? Um, like moving that, do you resign? Uh, you know, how do you get something back for Strom, if anything? I don't know. You know, choosing your captain. All right, that's not too big of a deal. Finding a way to develop and keep Capo Caco and Vitaly Kravtsov happy. You know, you you can go on and on and on. Like, there's so many things here that have all these others. Like, all these things are connected to other things. Like. Whatever decision the Rangers make with Georgiev and Shesterkin will impact almost everything else because the Rangers have valuable assets that can turn into things that will address needs and or turn into futures. And, you know, if they can get the right return for trade A, they might not have to reach for it in trade B. Um, And that's why I think it's this season is so compelling. And I feel like we answer a lot of similar questions when we do our off the post, but that's because a lot of these questions are kind of outstanding, meaning like we don't have answers to them, but we everyone acknowledges that they're gonna they're gonna shape the future of this team. The Chris Kreider trade is gonna tr- change everything. What the Rangers decide to do with Strom and D'Angelo will ch- will change everything one way or another, and like it's really fascinating and also kind of horrifying, right? <laughs> it's because it can go very very poorly, Tom. It could go super yeah. bad. Yeah, because they have to be careful on how they do things because as it stands, next year they have 14 players on the roster and they have, you know, 15.7 million in cap space. Um and then after after the following season, then you have, you know, a number of RFAs to deal with, uh Buchnevich, uh Heedle, and, you know, Lindgren, Hayek, and then again then then that's, you know, Hanks last year. So there's a lot of things that are going to change, and I think how they approach this deadline will tell us a lot about the future um, because they want to put those building blocks. You have Panarin, who is a building block. Um, you know, you have Truba, who is a building block. You have Zibanejad, who, after this year, he has just two years left, so they have to start thinking about having money in line for him. And then you have to start thinking about you know Brady Shea, um, what do you do with him? And so 
There's all these little decisions that they have to make. Yeah. So it's it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and they're going to compound on each other because if they decide to trade Chris Kreider, it's like, okay, we have a plan in place. If they try, if they decide to trade Tony D'Angelo, okay, they have a plan in place. So it's going to be very interesting. And uh, how they maneuver it will be fascinating to uh, see it unfold. But I will say this. Like the, there's almost unlimited potential for them to make moves that would result in this team being almost immediately better in part, frankly, from addition from by subtraction in some cases. And, you know, it's there are a lot of little wrinkles. Like, I forgot, like, on the flagship, we didn't even really get to talk about the fact that Bren Lemieux is, is out for a month, essentially. And, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, shit, Leah Sanderson shouldn't, uh, shouldn't have walked away. Bah, bah, bah. But, like, is there any guarantee that Leas would have gotten that shot? I don't think there is. And... Because we have all these weird questions about how the team is handling the kids, it's really interesting to me what's going to happen here. Because some of these decisions, excuse me, like hang directly on on what they do with the kids. Like, how do they see Brett Howden? Like, what do they want to do with D'Angelo? Is he part of this future? If so, then the Rangers have their right side locked up for forever. Like, if you sign D'Angelo to a four-year deal, then you know what the right side of your defense is for the next half a decade. Because you have Adam Fox. So what do you do with your right-handed defensive prospects? You know, do you ask Jacob Truba to play the left side? You know, there's all these big decisions, and there's there's all these wrinkles to them that makes everything so fascinating. Like, any team in the league would love to have the the problem the Rangers have in, in the goal crease, where they have too many good goalies. And not enough of them are in the NHL right now. And I don't know, it's fun. That's why I think it'll, it'll be, one way or another, I think things will be better. But a lot of that comes down to management decisions and coaching decisions, which are things that make everything impossible to predict. So, and also, of course, whatever the hell happens at the deadline. Anyway, Tom, we gave the folks 41 and a half minutes of uh, an off the post. I think we gave folks some good content. What do you think? I think so. And it's also going to be, based on when we release this, will be the first uh, episode of uh, the new year. Oh, here's to a, a full year of you and me doing the show together there, bud. Yeah, that should be very awesome, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Me too. All right, folks, that's off the post for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, tell a friend about the podcast. Tell an enemy. Uh, tell a, a secret admirer. But Five stars on iTunes, please. I don't know how you would know who your secret admirer is. At that point, they would just be your admirer, if you know. Maybe they consider themselves to be your secret admirer because they're not aware of your affections or that you're aware of their affections for you. Tom, I've been working too long today and I still haven't eaten dinner. I need to go eat. Okie doke, Mike. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And uh, we will uh, see you again next week. Spray paint the name of the podcast on public property. Vandalize things. Set things on fire. Goodbye. Don't do those things. Don't do those things. Yeah, don't do those things. See you next week. (laughs)